All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about the big news as Falcon players report to training camp on Tuesday and answering your listener questions. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans. And, of course, the host of this world renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we get started on today's Locked On Falcons episode, where we talk about the Falcons players reporting, we got a couple of players that tested positive for COVID. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we answer many questions about Madden ratings. You'll you get a rant on that. Who will be the Falcons most improved player? We'll get some chicken wing uh questions here on this wing Wednesday, uh, sort of including what flavor of chicken wing Matt Ryan would be. We'll talk a little bit about Simone Biles and what's going on with her and sort of how we can sort of measure the improvement made by the Falcons defense this upcoming season. But before we get into all of that, I do want to let you guys know about the live NBA draft show that is coming up later this week where NBA draft goat, Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the 2021 NBA Draft. It's the Locked On NBA Draft 2021 show brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on every pick, including from my good buddy Locked On Hawks host Brad Roland, by following the Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch the live coverage this Thursday on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. So let's uh, jump into sort of the news of the day involving the Falcons and nothing major in terms of coming out Tuesday as players uh, began reporting. And we didn't necessarily get an update on what Matt Gano's status is or well, as well as other players like Calvin Ridley uh, in terms of players that we expect to be dealing with some injuries that might wind up on sort of the pup list, the physically unable to perform list that PUP uh, is what the pup list is. Uh, maybe we'll get that update tomorrow or later this week. Um, you know, probably the only interesting tidbit that sort of emerged as, as players were talking to media on Tuesday, as they were reporting was that Michael Walker uh, has put on about 15 pounds, you know, bulked up from about, 224 pounds, 240 pounds, uh, according to various reports. And that's only interesting to me because it kind of triggered me because I remember the last time the Falcons had a rookie edge rusher that was playing apparently in the two twenties and then had to put on 10, 15 pounds to get up into the upper two thirties or two forties going into this second year with the expectation that he would be improved. And obviously, you know, I'm not necessarily comparing Michael Walker to that player. If you, if you know, you know, but, uh, it, it certainly triggered me because I'm like, Hmm, you know, I don't like undersized edges, but, uh, uh, we'll see how that fares out for Michael Walker moving forward. But again, in part due to the fact that Michael Walker will be doing what that player should have been doing throughout his NFL career and basically being a Sam linebacker and not a pass rusher. I don't think it will have a as negative, a detrimental effect to that, to Michael Walker's career as it did to that one particular player. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about Vic Beasley. But, um, you know, the other sort of big news that came out Tuesday on a more serious note is that the Falcons put four players on the reserve. COVID-19 list, presumably with positive tests. 
I saw Tom Paralicero of NFL Network saying that like 14 or 15 players went on the reserve COVID list on Tuesday and 14 of those players had positive tests. So not, you know, high probability that these four players for the Falcons had positive tests and not necessarily contact tracing that led to their um, being placed on the reserve COVID list. And, you know, we'll see how it fares for these guys. And maybe it depends on if some of these guys are vaccinated, as you know, uh, you can still test positive for COVID if you are vaccinated on these sort of entry things. But the vaxxed players will not be tested nearly as much as the uh, non-vaxxed players. And last year we saw players that went on the COVID reserve list on average about nine to 10 days. And so we'll see if that impacts players like Lee Smith, John Atkins, Kobe Jones, and Willie Wright, the four players that tested positive. Lee Smith stands out of this group just because, you know, it's, I made a joke last week that it is notable that a lot of Buffalo Bills players have been very prominently anti-vax, um, you know, this offseason or these last couple of months. And, of course, Lee Smith's most recent team was Buffalo. So uh, we'll, we'll see if he, he's sort of in that same category or whatnot in, in terms of being anti-vax or whatever the case may be. I just thought that was notable that, Hmm, another Buffalo player, uh, getting COVID. Uh, so, you know, hopefully those guys will have a speedy recovery and, and hopefully won't miss more than a few days of practice. Um, and you know, obviously I think Lee Smith's roster spot is relatively safe. Uh, not necessarily the case for players like John Atkins and Kobe Jones and Willie Wright, all of whom are, are fighting for roster spots and certainly will give some of the guys uh, in those competitions that nose tackle at outside linebacker and along the interior offensive line, a leg up uh, should those guys be sidelined to practice for, you know, a week plus. So with that being said, we will sort of jump in to our Q and a portion of today's episode, kicking things off on which player is going to make the biggest leap heading in to this upcoming season. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And of course, there's no time like today to get started at bet online. Of course, you can bet on the summer Olympics. You got football season right around the corner. And of course, baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at bet online. You can get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you imagine, whether it's how many receiving yards Calvin Ridley will have, if Kyle Pitts will be the offensive rookie of the year, or you want to get in on some of this NBA draft action later this week with some props there. Of course, you could do so at BetOnline. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get $100 in free money to play with with that promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So our first question comes from at Padre 1013 on Twitter, he asked, which returning player do you feel is going to have the biggest leap in their level of play this upcoming season? So obviously this is something we've talked about uh, a number of times this off season and, you know, always sort of point out the 2020 draft class, the 2019 draft class, those guys going in year two, year three, you're expecting significant leaps for several of those players, including players like Marlon Davidson, Matt Hennessy, AJ Terrell, uh, Chris Lindstrom, Kayla McGarry, John Kaminsky, et cetera. You can even throw 2018 draft class players. We're expecting Calvin Ridley to sort of solidify himself as a top 10 wide receiver expectation that Russell Gage will show himself to be more than just a sort of typical number three wide receiver. And for Olakun after 
flashing uh, a lot in his first year as a full-time starter in 2020. Can he be more consistent? Can he same, show those same flashes and be a little bit more consistent with those flashes in 2021? And you can even throw in players like Deion Jones, Jake Matthews. Uh, we haven't seen Jake Matthews be, you know, a high level run blocker uh, since 2017 when the Falcons were last really committed to the outside zone scheme. And will he get that back? Deion Jones coming off a down year. So you, there's any number of candidates that we hope are going to be, you know, some of the more improved players and any one of those guys you could rattle off if you, you know, believe in it. But if you're asking me which player I would be most willing to bet on, uh, you know, over at betonline.ag or whatever the case may be uh, for who I think is going to make significant improvement, Matt Ryan would be my choice. And this goes back to something I discussed on last week's quarterback camp preview until we talked about Matt Ryan basically benefiting from, you know, an increase in uh, play action and essentially, you know, if you just basically, if you have Matt Ryan performing on average of what he has performed when he's been utilized on play action passing over the last six years, and you just in- dial that up, you know, he ran play action on about 26% of his plays last year. And you look at how often Arthur Smith used play action in Tennessee, you know, at a minimum 31% uh, the, over the last two years, you just dial up from 26 to 31%. You should see Matt Ryan having one of the better seasons he's had and probably, you know, based off of certain metrics like adjusted net yards per attempt, the third best season of his NFL career uh, this upcoming season and a type of season that should you know, I don't think this is being, you know, very hyperbolic or, or uh, overly optimistic when I say this, but a quarterback that should be in the top seven to 10 range as a, as a quarterback. And that doesn't necessarily require Arthur Smith's ability to dial up play action being significantly better than what we've seen from people like Dirk Cutter and, and Steve Sarkeesian and more on the spectrum of what we saw, you know, in sort of Matt Ryan's better years running play action in 2016 under Kyle Shanahan and whatnot. So, uh, you know, Arthur Smith doesn't have to be even a, a real genius as far as designing a play action play. He just needs to dial it up a little bit more, 5% more, and you should see a significant jump for Matt Ryan. So I feel like that's a very conservative guess. That's why I sit here and I say, like, of anybody who I know is good and I know, you know, has a large body of work that says that they should be significantly better this upcoming season, Matt Ryan, to me, would be the best bet. Obviously, that's not a slam dunk guarantee. Any number of variables and unknowns could, you know, derail those expectations, whether it's the running game, the offensive line, Arthur Smith's play calling, durability, defense, all these various factors. So we'll see how that plays out. But I do feel like Matt Ryan is as good a bet as anybody to, you know, have one of the bigger rebound and improved seasons this upcoming season. So our next question comes from the dude at the dude order. He has mental health, keeping world's greatest gymnast out of the Olympics. What happened to the carry struck type? So, um, you know, I don't have a lot of thoughts on Simone Biles. You know, I, I hope she does whatever uh, she needs to do to, to be better. But I would sort of draw a, a hard line in the dude order in sort of what it seems to be that you're implying and you're sort of. Assuming, you know, the, the issues that Carrie Strug had to overcome was a sprained ankle. You know, that, that was an issue of pain tolerance. That was an issue, you know, that's something that you can take a shot for. Uh, you know, mental health is not something that is a, something that you can magically cure, right? You know, that's, you know, Carrie Strug's issues were physical endurance, not, you know, and I, I know some people have been trying to frame the Simone Biles things as like mental toughness and mental fortitude. And that's not what mental health is. I don't know what's going on with Simone Biles, which is part of the reason why I don't feel comfortable truly commenting on it, whether she's overstressed, overworked, she's not feeling 
doing great, whatever the case may be. So these are two very different things. And to sort of, you know, lump these two uh, people and compare and contrast these two people and to try to sit here and suggest and imply that, you know, Carrie Strug was somehow tough uh, because she was able to, you know, make it an, an incredible vault on a sprained ankle, a severely sprained ankle. And Simone Biles is not simply because of whatever the reasons are that she is bowing out of the Olympics. Um, you know, I, I just feel like is, is not a great place to be the dude order. So I, I would uh, recommend you revise some of your thoughts on that, but uh, we'll move forward and talk about a little less serious of a topic and talk about chicken wings on this wing Wednesday. And our first question about chicken wings come from Randy Williams at Randy Williams on Twitter. He asks lemon pepper or Buffalo. And for me, you know, I don't live in Atlanta and I imagine in Atlanta, it's, it's always going to be lemon pepper because I know Atlanta is a city that is famous for their lemon pepper rings. And there's a certain standard that I think you have to have in terms of your lemon pepper uh, to be a successful chicken wing business in the city of Atlanta. But I don't think that necessarily exists in the rest of the world. And for a long time in my life, I wasn't a huge fan of lemon pepper wings. It's only really in the last couple of years, in the last four or five years, where I've become a much bigger fan of them. Um, again, not from Atlanta and don't live in Atlanta. So therefore I haven't quite truly experienced the Atlanta lemon pepper wing, but elsewhere in the country, lemon pepper is very hit and miss. And it's only, I've only learned to really appreciate lemon pepper in recent years because I have learned a better way to make a more consistent and, and delicious lemon pepper wing myself. But when I go to various businesses and order lemon pepper, they're very hit and miss. And so from that perspective, if I was ordering a wing again, outside of the city limits of Atlanta, I would probably veer towards Buffalo simply because it's nearly, well, it's not near impossible, but it's hard to mess up a Buffalo wing. It's just basically butter, Frank's wet hot, you know, maybe some garlic um, pepper or whatever the case may be. And that's really it. And that's your classic Buffalo wing. And you can pretty much do that with your eyes closed and get it consistent, or at least you should be able to get it consistent. I, I'm, I've had some questionable Buffalo wings over the years. So, you know, while I think lemon pepper is the better flavor, if you're asking me, am I much more willing to try someone, you know, I will go to places and try their lemon pepper to see if they actually have good lemon pepper nowadays. But I often am disappointed in that regard, again, outside of the city limits of Atlanta in the rest of the country. You know, the contiguous non-Atlanta portions of the United States, uh, you know, Buffalo is probably a little bit more reliable and more consistent, a, a go-to flavor over lemon pepper. But uh, I'm sure many of the Georgia listeners, as well as I'm sure some of you have some great lemon peppers uh, where you guys live. And you say lemon pepper all day. Um, but you know, that's my opinion. Uh, generational tweeter at only one JJ 22 on Twitter asks if Matt Ryan was a wing, what flavor would he want to be covered in? Well, I'm sure because Matt Ryan has lived in Atlanta for almost 15 years, which is probably as nearly as long as he's lived any other place on the planet, you know, being quote unquote true to Atlanta, he would probably choose lemon pepper uh, as the flavor that he would want to be covered in. But, you know, if you're asking me what flavor sort of embodies Matt Ryan, it would probably be like a mild Buffalo wing. Matt Ryan, you know, again, after spending five minutes talking about why I think Matt Ryan's going to be improved. This is not meant to bash Matt Ryan, but he's kind of, he's kind of boring. He's kind of mild. He's kind of plain, you know? And I think that's part of the reason why he gets as much grief at, uh, from some people as he does. There's no, you know, there's no sex appeal when it comes to Matt Ryan. There's no sex appeal to his game. There's no sex appeal to his personality. And it's, I think, easy for people to overlook him in that regard. I know other people have other opinions on why uh, Matt Ryan gets 
quote unquote, constantly disrespected. Um, you know, I've, I've seen people, you know, relate that to sort of racism or whatever the case may be. I don't really buy into it. I'm sure there is a element of that uh, amongst some individuals, but I think for the most part, the, you know, I, I have always felt like the sort of propensity of Falcon fans to sort of act like Matt Ryan gets a especially high level of grief uh, that other quarterbacks don't get. I, I just, I've never really bought into that. I've watched, you know, time and time again, you know, I've compared this to Tony Romo. Whenever Tony Romo had a bad game, it was a national story for four days on sports center or on whatever network was for, you know, the next four week days. Uh, and, and it was one of those things where like when you have had as much success as Matt Ryan has had any quarterback that has had as much success as he has had for 10 plus years in the NFL and has zero rings to show for it gets a comparable level of grief. This is not unique to Matt Ryan. So I think sort of, I've always felt that that sort of idea that, Oh, like, you know, woe is me and, and no one respects Matt Ryan. And it's especially egregious when it comes to Matt Ryan is not a, a fair and accurate assessment, but that being said, we will sort of leave that at that and we will talk about what ways we can measure the improvement from the Falcons defense this upcoming season under Dean Pease, as well as go on a little bit of a rant uh, about Madden ratings and, and why Grady Jarrett got snubbed and why no one seems to care about Julio Jones getting snubbed uh, as much as they did a year ago. And so you'll get a little bit of a rant from me. I won't go too, too deep on it as I am want to do, uh, but we'll get into that coming up on today's Locked on Falcons podcast. But before we get there, I do want to plug the national shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. As training camps kick off, there's a lot of news to catch up on. And of course, I got you covered on all things Falcons. But what about the other 31 teams? And you, of course, you can check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, the Lockdown NFL podcast, and even the two draft-related shows in the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft News Podcast that will cover various big league news around the league for the other 31 NFL teams, including the Falcons. And you can subscribe to them all on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So guys, did you know that Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, has nine delicious flavors? Whether you're a fan of mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut, raspberry, or limited summertime flavors like orange and strawberry. You also have had grasshopper cookie, German chocolate cake, toffee almond come out this summer, and you can check them all out with a mix box and you'll want to, to get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar that has none of the guilt. Built bars contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. My favorite, the coconut almond, which is not offered right now, tastes just like an almond joy, but the double chocolate tastes just like a Hershey's bar. Of course, highly recommend the combination of strawberry and chocolate. That is a game changer for the built bars, but it's not just just about built bars great taste it's about their healthy value too again none of the guilt because they're low in sugar and calories they're high in protein and fiber and all you got to do to take advantage of this is head over to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com so legends never die at only Mr. Lindley on Twitter asks, what would you consider a successful defense from Dean Pease in 2021? More so from ranking important advanced metrics like pressure rate and completion percentage against. Now, um, you know, in general, my expectations for Dean Pease is something in the middle of the pack, somewhere in that like 
12 to 20 range is ideal. Uh, again, I don't have high expectations for things. Obviously you want to be better than that, but uh, you know, I'm not going to necessarily put those expectations on Dean Pease moving forward. To me, one of the big questions I've had for this defense upcoming this season, and, and this has been a topic of discussion that we frequently discuss in recent years, in, in part due to the Falcons having some success and, and lack of success at various times. And this was a frequent uh, topic of conversation coming off the heels of the 2019 season is how much of their improvement, if they do wind up improving this year under Dean Pease, is due to actual improvement or just playing a weaker schedule. Like we saw this in, in the back half of 2019 that the Falcons kind of benefited from you know, facing some shaky quarterbacks like Gardner Minshew and Kyle Allen and, you know, a turnover prone Jameis Winston in that second half of that season. Um, as well as you can throw Jimmy Garoppolo in that mix. Uh, and, and, you know, how much of their defensive broom in the back half of the season was due to facing lesser talent. And you look at, you know, some of the quarterbacks and the murderers row of wide receivers that they faced last year, like Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott and Tom Brady and, and all in Patrick Mahomes and all these guys. Um, and that led to some of the issues that the Falcons had on defense. And this year they're facing a lot more quarterbacks like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Daniel Jones. And while you face some very good wide receivers, particularly in the division, you know, it's not sort of the murderer's role where every single week you got Devonte Adams, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Allen Robinson, you know, you got uh, DK Metcalf and Amari Cooper, et cetera, like we had last year. And so one does wonder if the improvement from the Falcons defense that they could or hopefully will show under Dean Pease, is that due to Dean Pease being this sort of magical better coach than what the Falcons have had previously, or are the Falcons benefiting from facing lesser competition? And that's the core issue when it comes to having a conversation about defense. Um, you know, you, defense, you have to contextualize things um, because defense is not something where there's sort of one magic metric. Obviously when we do condense things down, I tend to, you know, look at things like football outsiders, DVOA metrics and whatnot. But, you know, you talk about completion percentage again, that's a contextual thing. If you play a lot of zone, you're going to give up a higher completion percentage percentage than you should, at least in theory, if you play a lot of man coverage, if the Falcons are playing a lot of bend, but don't break style of defense, you know, they can have a relatively high completion percentage, like 63, 64, 65%. And that will be an acceptable number, assuming that they can get stops on third downs, get stops in the red zone and whatnot. Um, and, and potentially create turnovers and whatnot. So when it comes to defense, I tend to look at six broad categories. I've talked about this a ton on the podcast. This is something that the Falcons have used under Dan Quinn, because this is something that Pete Carroll used uh, in Seattle. And I think this is, you know, you generally look at where teams rank in these metrics. Um, you know, you look at run defense, uh, you look at pass rush, you look at your ability to limit big plays, you know, 20 plus yard plays in the air, primarily, obviously you, you also want to limit 20 plus yard plays on the ground um, and your ability to generate big plays, which in the case of a defense is a turnover. And uh, you also want to look at your efficiency on third downs and your efficiency in the red zone. And generally speaking under the Dan Quinn era, they were typically good at not giving up big plays, but they were typically average to below average in, in the vast majority of those other categories with a couple of exceptions, you know, where in 2017 they were top 10 in red zone defense. And that was one of the reasons why for many, many years when Falcon fans insisted that the Falcons defense was, you know, coming together and was on the verge of success. Um, you know, I was a little skeptical of that because when you looked at sort of these broad categories, you saw what was an average to below average defense in most areas. Um, and so that's part of the reason, again, it's not, 
my skepticism over Dean Pease is not because I doubt Dean Pease as a coach. I have just heard this song and dance so many times from Falcon fans over the years about how this new defensive coordinator, this new offensive coordinator is going to come in and magically fix all the Falcons problem just through, you know, the power of the magical wand, the elder wand, um, and wave it around and, and all the Falcons problems will go away. And then when you're looking at these six broad categories, there's no sort of end all be all metric, like, you know, big plays allowed, obviously, you know, that's pretty simple to measure third down efficiency, red zone efficiency. Those are pretty easy to measure, but how do you measure run defense? You know, yards per carry is not necessarily a great way of measuring run efficiency because it's highly skewed by big plays. Um, you know, and so do you look at yards? Do you look at, you know, DVOA? Do you look at adjusted line yards uh, allowed from football outsiders? Another metric that they use. Do you look at yards per carry, et cetera, success rate, all these various things. And so you kind of incorporate all, you know, four or five different statistical measures in order just to get a overall picture of a team's run defense, you know, how do you measure pass rush? Are you looking at sacks? Are you looking at pressures? All these various things, quarterback hits, you know, I would, a more comprehensive look would incorporate all three of those things. You know, uh, when you look at turnovers, right? Like you probably don't pay as much attention to fumbles and, and fumble recoveries because fumbles tend to be more a indicator of random chance and luck than necessarily, you know, skill uh, in general. Um, so you pay a little bit more attention to interceptions, but there is a correlation between how many interceptions you generate versus how much pressure you generate. The more pressure you generate, the more likely it is for you to uh, generate more interceptions. Again, it's not a huge, massive, overwhelming correlation, but it's, it's a decent correlation there in large part due to the more pressure you generate on the quarterback, the more prone quarterback is to making questionable decisions and the more prone he is to throw inaccurate passes. And that will increase the chances that defensive players will be able to pick passes off. So those are, you know, all these various ways of measuring defense. So, so even though there's like six broad categories, you know, when you break it down, there's like another, you know, 15 ways of slicing defense. So I hope that answers your question, Mr. Limley. But uh, yeah, you know, my expectation, hopefully the Falcons will, again, be in the 12 to 20 range or higher uh, in as many of those categories as uh, I've just discussed. So, you know, in those 15 different areas that we look at the things, the more top 20 rankings, the more top 15 rankings that they have, the better will be an indicator that DMPs maybe did some good things. But again, that factor of competition does matter. It really does. Like, again, it's one thing when you're looking good against uh, Drew Locke and, and um, you know, Derek Carr than when you're looking playing against Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's a two different, very different things. So our last question comes from Ish at Isaiah Ryan on Twitter. And he asks, why isn't Grady Jarrett a top 10 defensive lineman in Madden since you love Madden ratings? And of course, for those who don't necessarily follow me on Twitter or at least memorize my tweets on Twitter, you know, I, I went on a little bit of a rant the other day uh, talking about why isn't anybody upset about Julio Joe not getting the 99. Like it seemed like people, you know, was an annual crusade. Um, and now, you know, obviously I, you know, I said that snarkily understanding why exactly people have turned a blind eye on this issue that they were so willing to die on a hill for seven years, but then suddenly just decided, you know what? I, I don't really care about that. And of course we know the answer to that. Like people only care about uh, players and that play for their team. And it's one of those things where like, for me personally, the Madden stuff, it's always funny to me. 
because like for me, my perception of it, and again, you're more than welcome to disagree with me on this, but my perception of it is like at least 50%. I would bet good money that at least 50% of the people that complain about Madden ratings don't even play Madden. And for me, it's one of those things that is one of the most trivial things to complain about because whether I think Grady Jarrett's probably like he wasn't in the top 10, but I think what I saw is like his grade is would make him probably like 11th or 12th on the list. And so like, is that a great miscarriage of justice? Not really. Like, do I think Grady Jarrett deserves to be higher on that? Sure. Do I, you know, do I know exactly what Madden's formula is for determining these things and, and whether, you know, a bigger, more physical defensive tackle unlike a Grady Jarrett, who's more of a penetrative type of player uh, would generally grade out higher on their ratings. You know, like I don't really care because I don't play Madden. I haven't played Madden for the better part of 15 years. So it's not something that I feel compelled to tweet about. And again, I think it's one of those things that a lot of people that tweet about it, I don't think they actually care either. You know, whether Grady Jarrett's an 88 or 89 versus a 92 or 93, does that really change your enjoyment of the game? Probably not, but we got to put on the cape. We got to put on the costume and we got to perform and say, Oh my God, woe is me. And again, this is, you know, you see this all the time with Matt Ryan. You saw this for seven years where people sat here and insisted anytime that someone did not have Julio Jones as the number one wide receiver in the league. This is a joke ranking. This is blah, 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 blah. And then the minute he's gone from team, Oh, he's washed. And so like to me, my, my rant, the core of my rant is like that to me is being fake, right? That's what I mean. Where you're putting on a costume, you're putting, you're performative. It's all performative. Like you sit there and you pretend um, that, oh, this is some great miscarriage because you're just trying to get engagement. You're trying to get likes or whatever the case may be. You don't really care about this stuff. You don't really believe in this stuff because you wouldn't be able to turn off the switch. If you sat here for seven years insisting that Julio Jones is the number one wide receiver, why would it matter whether or not he's wearing a red and black uniform or a light blue and dark blue uniform. Like if you truly believe that and, and, and like, that's my point where it's just like, I get so tired of fans and this performative stuff. And particularly when it comes to rankings and particularly when it comes to Madden stuff, like who cares, man, is, is the game worse because Grady Jarrett's rating is three points too low. Or is it, would it be demonstrably better if it was three points higher? Right. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, you know, but it is what it is. Fans are fans are going to fan. And again, I'm not trying to tell people how to live their lives. If, if this is, you know, the hill that you want to die on, then by all means die on that hill. But my point is more that I don't think many of you really actually care to die on the hill. You're just saying a thing because it sounds good. And this is why I, I have such an issue with it is because like, I tried to not be fake and like that to me is what it is. And like, you know, I've been sort of sitting on this, thought process, you know, for, for several weeks in, in large part in response to the Julio Jones stuff. And, you know, I still haven't fully recovered from the complete 180 and, and fakeness as I perceive it from a lot of fans that they completely uh, did a 180. They spent seven years saying one thing. And then the minute Julio Jones went on TV and said, look, I don't want to be an Atlanta Falcon rather than sitting here saying, you know, man, that sucks but I still love you. My guy, it's like, no, he's washed. He's trash. He's not good anymore. We don't care about him. And like, it's just like, for me, I just look at that stuff and I say like, that means that you're, you're being fake. I should take your opinion with a grain of salt because it's only based off of the color of a uniform. You don't actually believe what you're saying. You know, Carl from the bid, big, bad, uh, bird, you know, blog or whatever the case may be. And I, I, you know, I hate if there's actually a website called the big, bad bird blog. Um, you know, I'll start it up if, if there is not one, but you know, again, part of my arrogance, part of my condescension, when I say this part of my ego, when I say this, but like, you know, Carl 
from the big bad bird blog is, you know, out here being like, Oh, Aaron, like, you know, our opinions are equal. And it's like, no, they're not right. Again, part of my ego when I say this, but like, if you're basing your opinion solely off of the color of a person's uniform and not, you know, the content of their character, not the, 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 content of their ability and their skill set as a player, then like your opinion is not equal to mine. And again, I'm not saying that out of arrogance, but I sit here like, this is why if you sit here and you say Aaron, so arrogant, Aaron, so condescending, Aaron, so egotistical and all these various things is because like, yeah, like often I, I run across people that say things simply to say them because it's the thing to say. You know, it's a performance um, of pretending to believe a thing in order to get likes, in order to get engagement. And to me, this Madden stuff year after year is like, you know, it goes back similar to, uh, again, I I will stop rambling in a second, (laughs) but it goes back to something that happened with the NFL top 100. For me, back in 2013, when the Jacoby Jones was ranked in like 88th on the NFL top 100 uh, after the coming off the heels of that Raven Super Bowl, And I was like, Jacoby Jones, a top 100 player, you know, he's like barely a fourth receiver in the NFL and he's a top 100 player. Come on. You know, he's like one of the top 15, uh, you know, players in the NFL uh, at, his, at his position group, largely due to his ability as a returner. Like that, that, that's ridiculous to me. And that was the point where I realized, Oh, the NFL top 100 is a joke. And just because players vote for it, doesn't mean that they're any more informed than your average fan. It's just uh, it, the normal popularity contest. and has no more value than any sort of, you know, popular decision-making process when it comes to football, like the pro bowl and all these various things. And so I was like, Oh, this is something I don't care about. And I watched for years and years and years fans continue to complain about, Oh, this player's not in the top. How does this player get snubbed in the top 100? You know, with Falcon fans, always Falcon players, you know, no one really cared about the the Jaguars players or the Titans players or the Broncos players that got snubbed for understandable reasons. I get why guys, but like, I'm just sitting here saying like, Oh, like you don't really have a real opinion on this. You're just saying a thing because it sounds good. Right. And so like, you know, years and years later, I, I continue to see people complain about the NFL top 100. And I would always just go like, when, haven't you guys realized that the NFL top 100 is a joke? Stop paying attention. Stop giving it energy. Stop giving it attention. If, if something is a joke, something is a travesty, you stop paying attention, right? If you find some, if you know, there's plenty of people out there that think, you know, my opinions are a joke. My opinion, you know, I'm the Skip Bayless of Falcons Twitter, as, as some people have, you know, called me in the past. And right. And so guess what? They don't pay attention to what I say. And like, for me, like, why don't other people do that? Like, if you've been complaining about Madden ratings for the last, you know, five years, why are you still paying, paying, paying attention to Madden ratings? You don't care about it. Right. I mean, like you stop giving your energy. Like I don't give energy to Skip Bayless. I don't give energy to to Clay Travis. It's like, you know, I don't give energy to these things that I don't necessarily approve of or don't agree with or whatever the case may be. They are nothing to me. They don't exist in my worldview. And I, I don't understand why other people don't practice that. But instead, you know, we got to put on the cape, we got to put on the costume and complain about, oh, nobody respects us because, you know, Grady Jarrett happened to be the 11th ranked defensive tackle instead of what the eighth ranked, uh, you know, defensive tackle, like he should have been, or the fifth ranked defensive tackle, like he should have been like, I've, I've, I've gotten in so many arguments about people, you know, you know, arguing over two spots on the rankings and be like, you know, I remember years ago, this is around maybe 2015, 2016, you know, I put out my top five wide receivers and I had Mike Evans number five at that time. Uh, which was relatively early in Mike Evans's career. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, that's been proven in hindsight, but I remember someone jumping into my Twitter mentions and spending 20 minutes going back and forth with me about Mike Evans being ranked too high. And I was like, okay, like clearly you think I'm overly high on Mike Evans, but where do you put Mike Evans? And he was like seven. 
And I was like, really? You spent 20 minutes of your life complaining about a guy being ranked two spots too high. This was something that you felt you needed to die on this hill. You needed to waste 20 minutes of your life. You're not going to get those 20 minutes back just because I had a guy five and you have him seven. Like, this is what I'm talking about, guys. I do not understand why people have this amount of energy other than let me put on a, let me put on the cape. Let me put on the costume and let me perform. And this is why, like, I just perceive a lot of this stuff to be fake. And again, you know, from your average Falcon fan, it's not that big a deal. It's not something that is keeping me up at night. But when Carl from the big bad bird blog that has a platform is basically doing that, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to feel some type of way about it. Cause I'm like, I'm gonna have to spend my time and my energy dispelling this thing and going on a rant on a podcast or going on Twitter and being like, you're wrong. And here's why you're wrong. X, Y, and Z boom, boom, boom. All right. And then of course people are going to feel some type of way about it because you know, Aaron personally attacked me like, no, I didn't basically just showed you that your opinion is dumb and stupid and wrong. And like, I'm not going to apologize for that. Do better. Right. Carl do better. So that's how I feel about it. There's my rant. I'm done. <laughs> ranting about it. I just think like Madden ratings to me are so the most overrated, overhyped, over complained about thing in the history of the world. Who cares? It's a video game, guys. It's a video game. Do you even play the game? If you, and I bet you, if you do play the game, you don't care. Is it going to stop you? Oh man, Grady Jarrett, three points too low. I'm not buying Madden this year. Solidarity with Grady Jarrett. And then next year, if Grady Jarrett happened to get traded, God forbid, but if he happens to get traded, you're not going to care that Grady Jarrett's an 88 or 89 or whatever he is in this year's Madden game. You're not going to care. You're going to be like, oh, good riddance. He was overrated anyway. Blah, 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 you know, it's just like, whatever, man. Like, I do not get it, but I, I will, you know, forever not understand, you know, I just think, I know people are going to be like, you know, this is fun, Aaron. We're just being fans and we're just doing the thing that we're supposed to do. And I just like, you know, we, we normalize so much ridiculous and bizarre behavior just because we're all quote unquote fanatics and we're, we're all insane. We're all crazy and we do ridiculous things. And it's like, why normalize this stuff, man? Just be a normal person. If you don't, you know, I don't know, but. There's, there you guys have it. There's my rant. I'm done. Right. I will, you know, let it go. I will, you know, swallow it all down. Thanks to toxic masculinity for six months. And then it will explode in another and rants circa November, October. You know, I'm good for one of these every six months because someone will know how to push my buttons. And I know Isaiah, you know how to push my buttons. And I know, you know, Isaiah, you're one of those people. And I, I know you're not one of these people. Um, but you were one of those people that were one of the most prominent people that would always argue about why Julio Jones is great. And you have, you have been one of the few people out there that I think has been truly shown integrity and honesty and haven't changed your opinion about Julio Jones just because he, he's not playing. So you're one of the good ones, um, in, in that regard, just because he's not playing for the Falcons. So, you know, you are a small minority in the sea of non crazy people, uh, out there that I just think it's just, it's ridiculous, but there you guys have it. I'm done ranting. It's over. If you want to provide your feedback to see if you can catch me slipping and ranting on a future episode, of course you can hit me up on Twitter at lockdown Falcons on Facebook at lockdown Falcons. You send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Of course, we'll be back with more of the latest news on what's going on in these opening days of Falcons training camp. We're just, you know, a, a day or two away from actual practices that we can talk about and, you know, who stood out and who's working with the first team at this position and all these various things. So we're, we're getting ever closer to that day uh, coming up here on the lockdown Falcons podcast. But as we get there, you know, I want to help you guys make a little bit more money in the meantime. 
Um, you know, maybe I should make a little bit more money so I'm not as prone to ranting about Falcon fans and what they tweet about uh, in terms of Madden ratings. And, you know, you can do so by checking out the Locked On Bets podcast uh, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Get Lee's daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite, and Lee's lock of the day by following the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.